the Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by Tua T Fitness and the Vegas Beer Guys. Mike and Tom are washing their mouths out with soap because the Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the RoboCop edition. Today, we're talking RoboCop 3. Oh boy. My name is Michael Schantz. <laughs> I'm from the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man with the prime directive to deliver you a line right now, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hello, Tom. What's it like being a rocket scientist? <laughs> Introducing the stable of Larry David sitcom actors in this. Yes, movie, which is staggering. This is my. <laughs> that, I that, think... is Jeff, <clears throat> that is Jeff. That is Jeff Garland. Right. I know. I know. I know. My impersonation probably didn't tip you either way. He's because he's, <laughs> he's really difficult to do because he's raspy, but high yeah. pitched. Right. So he kind of sounded it... like your Harrison Ford. I know he's really hard. Is <laughs> is deceptively hard to do a Jeff Garland impression. You think you'd just look at him and you get the idea, but no. Uh, <laughs> yes, audio it's, wise, it's difficult to do. You need yeah. the visual. Incidentally, do you know what the name of his character is in this film? Oh, that's right, Donut Jerk. Yeah, you go. You made a note of it too. Yeah, I had which it is somewhere interesting in my notes. because. He, the character is in no way jerky, nor is he serving donuts. Right, right. <laughs> That's not a he's... donut shop, it's some kind of diner. I want to say he's eating a donut at some point. You but... think so? I don't ever remember. When I saw that, I thought, that is not an accurate representation of that bit bit part character. <laughs> yeah, but you, you like you want you want it to read you want to know who that is. Yeah, right. <laughs> as soon as you see that line, and that was not who that was. <laughs> right. He he did seem completely sensible. I say donut jerk might be a perfectly accurate description of Jeff Garland himself, but it is not <laughs> of this character. I think that's my favorite thing about this entire movie. Is watching all the secondary characters and the actors who are playing them, who we have come to know and love yes. as great character actors, all of and them. just yeah. watching them on the struggle bus for this poor, shitty little movie is—I <laughs> kind of revel in it. Like as an actor, yeah. I just keep thinking to myself, "I get it," you know. Yeah, you, you got to have pain. something good to work with or you're going to look like an asshole. It doesn't matter. It's not how your many, fault. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many Bradley Whitfords are around the corner. Right. If you're not working with good material, it's going to show. Yeah. And this is bad material. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean. But yeah, I mean, as as we were saying Jeff Garland from Curb Your Enthusiasm. We got Daniel Von Bergen from Seinfeld. Mister mm -hmm. Kayuga. We have um, CCH Pounder from The Shield. We right. have Stephen which Root is not, from which is, Everything. Which is not a Larry David property, but uh, I'll take it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, sorry, uh, you were making the more the Larry uh, well, David yeah, as line, Stephen but... Root who appeared in an episode of Seinfeld, and yeah. the guy who uh, the guy who holds up the donut jerk is also a recurring character in Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. But uh, haven't. I was trying to, to think if Bradley his Whitford na- his character's name or his um, or the actor's name. Right. He's also in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's Mackenzie Crooks. Okay. Uh, scene partner. But there's also just sort of the the general NBC primetime <laughs> actors. <laughs> You're so right. It's the NBC primetime players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you got Bradley Whitford and Jill Hennessy. You know, I, the, Shane Black is in this movie somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think he's it's... one of the cops. Is Don? His name's Donnelly. Yeah, I I think I think maybe in uh, as I was watching this, I thought I wonder if there's like uh like a day of those Law and Order marathons where you would see every single one of these actors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like if you watched for enough hours, you would get all of these actors. If you if you watch enough Law and Order in a single day. You will see an actor from every major television show. Oh, well, certainly, yeah. You know, you're going to see people from The Sopranos. You're going to see people from The West Wing. You're going to see people from The Wire. They're all, you know, they're all on that show. You're going to know who was available to work in New York in a particular year. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and obviously, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the... The deep bench cast of <laughs> RoboCop 3, a 1993 movie directed by Fred Decker. Didn't we say nice things about sequels from 1993 at some point on this podcast? Mm-hmm. I take them all back. <laughs> don't, I, don't think it was the, I don't think it was the year I thought it was. Don't let this movie bring down your thoughts about 1993 and its other sequels. If not this, then what? (laughs) Uh, Fred Decker, he's directed mostly television, but I saw he did something called Night of the Creeps, and then he did a movie (laughs) called Monster Squad, which has, I do know, has some kind of weird cult following. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I remember seeing that as a kid, and uh, people still talk fondly of it. I think that yeah. I I think that the reputation of that film is um, fair to middling. Mm-hmm. Wow, I wouldn't have cl- yeah, I I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have clocked a Monster Squad in his uh, resume. Right, uh, exactly. This movie, this. however, RoboCop Three has six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> in other that words, sounds zero fair to me. Following. Unless you really stretch that definition of cult. (laughs) (laughs) And you gotta really work hard to make the cult appear. I'm telling you. On a on a budget of twenty two million (laughs) dollars. That bears out with how much money it made, because on a budget of twenty two million, it had an opening weekend of four point three. Boy, did they really trick people for that first weekend. And then in the USA and the world, $10.6 million. Mm. Again, we have the pro- another fantastic example of a movie that killed the franchise. Uh, well, for, for uh, within the medium of cinema, I mean, right. is this... Is, I mean, is, is, I guess because there was a... Soon, soon there is a 2014, that, that... I think, 
reboot. Yes. So uh, it killed it for a significant period of time, but I believe right. in the interim we had a lot of Robo. We had a RoboCop TV series. There was and, a series. And also an, an animated RoboCop series right. as well. <laughs> yeah. So the property uh, did okay overall, intermediately, but mm-hmm. um, and as a, I believe there's a new RoboCop. Uh, I keep hearing on the way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I keep it's one hearing of those, I think. those yeah. rumblings, but. Yeah. I mean, you know what was funny? And I think, speaking of 1993, I remembered back to a comment it made on a previous podcast, because when we did not do Sister Act 2 back in the habit for... um, uh, The single sequels? For the single sequels, because we knew a Sister Act 3 was in the works. Yeah. And I I remember saying, you know, if if Whoopi Goldberg keeps making... It'll it'll inform comments about the Holocaust. It might stay a single sequel. She's now doubled down on that, so updates. Sister Act Three may not be happening, guys. We we might have to we might have to go back and readdress 1993 and put Sister Act Two into our rankings. She doubled, apparently she doubled down on exactly what she said the first time in trying to explain what she was saying the first time. Which is that classic sort of celebrity wow. apology that turns into a defense Something of what... ridiculous. A defense, a defense of the wrong thing you said. Yeah. <laughs> also known as a Louis C.K. <laughs> All right. Well... We'll move on from Celebrity Corner. Sure. To it's relevant. The... It's semi-relevant to 1993. <laughs> Let's talk about the opening of, of this movie. Speaking of 1993. What's that? Uh, speaking of 1993, those uh, computer graphics have um, made some advancements in those three years since Robocop like 2. We no longer need to show them on a tiny monitor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we can create an entire cityscape. With computers. Did you also notice, because I my first note is that we start with some ominous music. Uh-huh. And then we have a Star Wars pan down. Oh, that's true. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, th- but this that's interesting because let's compare this directly to the opening of Robocop 2, where you're supposed to think the movie's beginning, but it's actually just a commercial. Mm-hmm. And they sort of half attempt the same thing here, and I think that pan is part of it. But they give up very quickly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they they show you that that new, I mean, at what at the time would have been cutting edge computer simulated city. Um, and then they. Immediately I'm not sure go... even at the time it was. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it fills the screen. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Go that far. If that's the bar, <laughs> that is the bar when it comes to this film. All right. Um, so it kind of misses the point that you need to sort of play. You need to play along a bit more. You need to hide the ball a bit mm-hmm. more because it's immediately clear that this is a commercial in a way that the opening. Of yeah, the right, right. Where it strung you along with the John Glover and the you know and the and the the police procedural cold open bit. Mm-hmm. But this is like evidently a commercial, and then they just pull away from it immediately, as soon as they get into media break. And we're in the home of a a, a family that we've never mm-hmm. seen before. No, yeah, right. Uh, two of whom we won't see again. 
<laughs> and I think we addressed, didn't we address in the last episode that it feels like even though it absolutely can't be deliberate, that they're picking up from the end of RoboCop 2, that this is the this is yes, sta- the so... next stage of the Delta City development project. Right. So there's that portion of it. And then I remember saying in our last episode that the Omnicorp logo look kind of like a swastika and it looks like there's German soldiers. Yes, yes. And I have a note here. One of my first notes is, oh, more German soldiers. So I think they're going for that connection. And then well, I wrote... I mean, they certainly read as Gestapo, don't they? Yeah, the, exactly. From the outset. Um, with that and then I have a note here that says... It's kind of a cold open, but like four minutes. Like it's like a four minute cold open. Right. It's yeah. It's I, as I said. You know, I I, I, uh, I watched this once, thinking it was RoboCop, and that was very that was very confusing. <laughs> yes. Another thing, to, uh, uh, my notes are full of half compliments that I later corrected. <laughs> I later <laughs> took away the half point. Um, and this is my first one here because. I had a positive point of the child doing the homework on the laptop because I thought, oh, well, that's a pretty accurate anticipation of how education and technology Would, will combine right. in the future. But that's not what they're trying. They're building here. They're building the idea that she's a tech genius. Yeah, not that, that she's, she's a, a normal right. school kid. When in fact, any normal school school kid in our time but, has a lap. You know, like has a yeah. laptop to work on, provided but, but, by the school often. But one of my favorite things about this movie is she, the movie, the movie seems to say that she's a genius, yet she's not doing anything genius-like. Well, also in this first scene, she's she doing, doesn't I, know what, I'm a computer yeah. novice, and I could do the things that she's doing in this movie. I think. Yeah, but you know also, what I mean? it also doesn't like, like it's only retrospectively that I know. She's on a laptop in the beginning, so we so we know she's a computer genius because she's having she doesn't know what a sin wave is, <laughs> and she's doing like advanced algebra. And I mean, I would struggle to recall in right. my adulthood what a sin wave is, but I'd expect a so-called child genius to maybe pick to, that no. up a little quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of had the similar feeling when she plugged into the robot. I thought, well, I could control the robot if I plugged into it. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's one step above speak and spell, right? It's yeah, uh, just kind of it's like, not a you, true hacking situation. You t- <laughs> yeah, you, you plug words, into it and it says something the words, like the robot says the word. Yeah, you I plug mean, into uh, it and it says something like, "What do you want me to do?" She ju- she just had the um she just had the foresight to steal a HDMI cable from a house before it was destroyed. Yeah. So she can connect to all the robots around the city. Oh, mercy. Now, am I right? Uh, Not usually. How <laughs> dare you. Uh, do we ever even see the title at the beginning of this movie? Yes, it comes up. Uh, well, <laughs> it comes up uh, backwards. So as the as the riot ensues, uh-huh. as the, well, not the riot, as the... Um, the rehabs, as they're known, the uh, the British-led Gestapo yes. police uh, advance on the um, what will become Delta City. Yeah. Um, 
that neighborhood, uh, three fires onto the screen. Okay. And then it's joined by the word Robocop. Um, so they can't even get that right. Is basically is that after the car like, chase? Which, uh, no, uh, no, maybe. Before, no, right? no, it's before, it's before. Okay. I think All you're right. right with your your four minute cold open. All right. Um, we were talking off air. It's hard for me to decipher my notes. <laughs> and and I, as I said to you, take them all literally. Yeah. <laughs> Don't read too much into them. Oh, you probably man. wrote down what happened on screen. Yeah, um, I gave this movie a half point when that car chase started because I thought the beginnings of this have, you know, television level yeah. uh, car chase competency. I thought mm-hmm. this isn't, you know, until you get to the end. Of course. And then I have a but, note here. Was was Officer, was Ann Lewis, was she called a dumb broad? Doesn't another cop oh, call her way, a dumb you're broad? you're all the way into that. God, I've got so much to talk about before that. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not at the, the police chase yet. Um, okay. I mean, because... Well, yeah, I mean, sorry. We, we've no, no, jumped ahead. No, no, it's ahead. fine. It's fine. Because the I'm kid... Really str- Go on. The kid gets lost. Does the well, kid have parents? She has parents, yeah. She just gets sep. Oh, wait, that's right. Okay, she I'm gets remembering separated now. from them and then she later. She gets separated from died. them because the wrecking ball comes in. But they died in the in the wrecking. Yeah, that's right. Because, well, well I mean, we're, we're burying the lead here. This is now a kid's film. Yeah, right. Because yeah. our protagonist yes, yes. is a child. Right. And. We're basically going to see the movie through her eyes. Through her eyes, and we don't see Robocop for 15 minutes except as a toy. Mm-hmm. And she her recovers toy. the... Yeah. So it's, I mean, you know, the, it, it starts like Empire of the Sun, basically. She's separated <laughs> from her parents. And, and you know, it, it's that kind of story, which is not what we're used to in Robocop. Yeah. And when you add that to the to the PG-13 rating... And the sort of the just the general change in there's a kind of whims whimsy about the musical score, the the soundtrack right. that immediately tells you you're in a kids film. Um, and uh, she ends up yeah she gets sort of she gets swept she, up with CCH Pounder. She's swept up with a with you know the wrecked the motley crew right. of uh, terrorists. I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what they're being called. <laughs> Who the previous two films told us not to like, and now apparently they're our heroes. They're our here. heroes, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and In this movie, they kind of remind me of Dennis Leary's gang in Demolition Man. Yeah. Except they don't I mean, live underground. Well, actually, year. they do live underground <laughs> quite a it's bit. It's the same year, right, as well? Demolition yeah. Man, I think, is 93. So that's, you know, neither was borrowing from the other. Um, but it was just happening, right? Yeah. It was just, it was <laughs> in was the What was going air. on in Hollywood at the time? I, I really don't know. But I, I have a note here about this, uh, this van of character actors. That oh, yeah. Introduced to us. Like, they would make a great traveling theater company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you think Von Bargain, Pounder, Stephen Root. You could do pretty much any play in uh, in the history of the world with those three. Right. But they they break so they break into a OCP facility. 
It grabs uh, some guns. Which is now... Uh, now uh, protected by the... Disused. The main villain from the first movie, right. not the main villain, but like the and main is, is robot the, is, villain. It's never said, but is is the subtext that he's been demoted to a security guard? In yeah, the exactly. Because <laughs> you know, if it is, that's the film I want to see. <laughs> right, and what I like about it, what I like about it, is that this movie is saying to to that century robot, "This is all you're good for," except it's yeah. not even good for that. Yeah. Because it gets like, it gets taken over quite easily by the child, as we said, the child plugs into it. So there's some deleted scene between RoboCop and RoboCop Two, where a supervisor goes up to the, the RoboCop and yes. says, "You're gonna bust you all the way down to security." <laughs> yes. Um. Wow. It's uh, yeah, and just to show how. You know, the, the huge inversion that our villains have become our heroes and vice versa. Um, I mean, literally, you know, the, yeah, police, right. the police are the villain, very clearly the villains because they're led by a British person. Um, and as we all the, know, the activists, you know, that were gang, you know, marauding gangs in the first two films are now our heroes. And. CCH Panda has a line where she just says uh, of something she's got. I st- oh, or one of them says, I stole it off a dead cop. Mm-hmm. It's like, think about how much the first two films made about that, what they, like how much real estate they spent on the idea of cop killers. Yes, and now they're right. just brushing it off as a joke. <laughs> they're just, it's the, like a the video. The entire first film is about a cop killing. Yeah. And now, <laughs> and now it's sort of the equivalent of that video game thing where yeah. you kill someone and you get to take their stuff yeah. once they're dead. Um, I think it's so. This is where I have. I mean, this this is where I have my first poochie note, <laughs> of which there are minimally three. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about in 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 the the Homer Simpson. Sp- Pooch, itchy and scratchy. I mean, I know episode. the Poochie episode. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So he at one point. But I'm trying. I'm let... trying. I'm racking my brain to figure out. So when because Poochie... I never thought about Poochie once during this movie. I so thought I'm about excited. him a lot. I okay. thought about him a lot because at one point in the in this in this Simpsons episode, Homer Simpson, who's playing a new character, an itchy and scratchy called Poochie, which is uh, unpopular because it's badly written and crammed in. Right. Um, uh, comes He's got to go home the... to his home planet. Well, he comes to the studio with a set of notes about how yeah, to make Poochie right. better. And one of them is that when Poochie's not on screen, everybody should be asking, talking, where's Poochie? <laughs> Where did Poochie go? Now, I first put this as a joke note that, oh, there must have been someone giving the Poochie note behind the scenes. Because before we see RoboCop, everyone's standing around going, where's RoboCop? Have you seen RoboCop? This happens three times in the film. That's amazing. <laughs> so someone is legitimately behind the scenes giving that note that was later parodied by the <laughs> Simpsons. Maybe that's not where they to, got it from. Not to mention that there's no Robocop for 15 minutes. Um, right. And I think part of this is it, it not being Peter Weller. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember... They need to surround... They need to cushion the blow of this new actor with as many legacy characters as they can. Yes, exactly. Before he appears on screen. So I remember... you you blink. Like, I remember thinking that, and I'll just briefly jump ahead, but I remember thinking, because after the whole car chase and they take him back to headquarters, I remember thinking... I remember being surprised that the face was off, the, the or the helmet, the front of the helmet was off, and that we were seeing his face as early as we did. I yeah, thought they were going to hide it for much longer. I mean, he is introduced in that sort of George Lazen being on a Majesty's Secret Service, like yeah. Let's see the let's see the uh, the defining characteristics of RoboCop of RoboCop before we see the new actor playing him. Yeah. Yeah. And let's focus on what makes him look like the the Robocop we know, which is that his and Weller's mouth are basically identical. Mm-hmm. But that's where the resemblance ends, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah... I, I, <laughs> I I don't want to I don't want to give this guy shit because he he this was this was a poison. It's an chalice. unenviable task, first yeah. of all. Uh, and uh, he does fine, but yeah, there is a there is a gravitas missing that is simply through not having. Well, I think you I think you referenced in it. it in one of our episodes where you talked about just Peter Weller's star power, which you only learn through seeing this. Like, yes, you exactly. Don't really right. Notice yeah. it until it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think is, I think is interesting. I also resent the way that Lewis is reintroduced in this film, having to fend off this fucking yuppie type. Yeah, right. Because it's sort of like, again, it's bad screenwriting. Like, she doesn't need to be reestablished as a feminist heroine. She's Mm -hmm. been that for two full movies. Right, (laughs) yes. We didn't forget. You, really, you, you just, it's just in, it's insulting to the character and it's insulting to our intelligence as, mm-hmm. as an audience to like to restack this for <laughs> us. It's like that's who she is. Like just 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 bring her. You know, just reintroduce her. We'll yeah. figure it out. And another. And speaking of, insulting, I have the same note. Splatterpunks. Yes, I know. I wrote down. Oh no, teens with mohawks. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, are these from the not-too-distant future, or are they time travelers from the 1970s? Because they look like OG punks. Yeah. In fact, they look like, if you put the word splatterpunk into one of those AI art applications, I think this is what what comes up on screen. This is what would come up. up. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I, I kind of understood the rationale of let's meet, let's re meet Lewis, let's re meet Reed. Before mm-hmm. we have this, we we slip in this new actor as Murphy. But as you're saying, you know they do they they're like, there's his face. Deal with it. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Uh, and I, I I think the other the other way that they try and help the audience out in adjusting to this uh, new RoboCop actor is uh, they at least make his surrounding armor gray again. Right. Yeah. I have. Yeah. I was gonna. We loop back that. to the original gray. Yes. He's no and again, longer blue. it's sort of like you don't really notice how blue he was in the last right. movie until he until, goes back to being gray. He goes and back to gray. Well, and I also, because, uh, you know, the end of this whole chase nonsense, Yeah, I wrote down dumb car stunt off garage because there's no, you know, he, RoboCop, well, RoboCop's chasing the, 
all the people that just uh, got all the guns. Yeah. So he's chasing yeah. Steven Root and CCH Pounder and the little girls with them. But then he finds out that Lewis is in trouble, so he turns back around and he disobeys a direct order because he's going to help his partner. So he drives on scene, but instead of just driving right up, he goes into a parking garage and we see him circle and circle and circle and circle and circle. And they get to the top and then ram through some concrete and then fall down. It's it's like so much business going on to pretend to be action-packed as opposed to just, you know, letting him do the shit that RoboCop does. And it comes off as kind of comical. It really does, yeah. Yeah. There's so, I mean, there's a, the the, the 1993 of it all is is very present. Yeah. It's omnipresent. Um, (laughs) When the, because when the guy is on fire, you feel the danger of knowing that that guy's really on fire. Right. Because you can see the actor wincing as they move. You can sort of see the stunt go wrong in real time. You know, it's gonna it's it's a it's the Kane Hodder effect, you know, it's like the Right. That guy's in trouble. you look, look looking at it you know, when you see anything, I don't know, post nineteen ninety nine with someone on fire, you know, you, you, you you're sort of like, it could be either and it's nineteen ninety three, you right. know that person is Either horribly burned or dead. Or dead. <laughs> and speaking, like, this really will... I mean, we, we'll we'll talk more in a more concentrated fashion about uh, Japan. But... Um, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we have no choice. <laughs> I, I, It is interesting that, you know, this really is the period in cinema of Japanese businessmen threatening American workers on a video Yes, screen. very much so. <laughs> Absolutely. This is, I mean, Back to the Future Part 2 and this. Mm-hmm. And if there is another example, I guarantee you it doesn't happen after 1993. Well, I mentioned uh, Rising <laughs> it's Sun. There's got to be one in Rising Sun. The amount of Japan and videos in that. There's got to right. be one scene of that. <laughs> Go on, you were saying. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say that I, I had, you know, I, I had mentioned Rising Sun in our, in one of our episodes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, when we go back to... And OCP, now that I think about it, I, I'm pretty sure Rising Sun is a 1993 movie. Yeah, it is. It is. It totally is. Yeah. Um. There, well, I mean, to, to headline it, we can talk about it in more detail as the examples come up. Uh, if, if cinema is... If we're going to go by cinema, <laughs> America is shit scared. Japan is going to yeah. take over the country as a, some kind of colonizing empire. Right. And through, through their businesses. <laughs> right. Through that's Sony what, I mean, that, That's like the central fear, isn't it? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's present in so many movies from that period. I don't that's know crazy. how much it reflects reality. Like, I don't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't live here at that time and I was very young. You did. Did you walk around thinking that, no. you know, Japan was going to, Japanese were going to parachute in and take over America not not ever once (laughs) (laughs) because because if you were a historian going back to the center you'd be like oh my god they really thought Japan was going to take over America (laughs) I think if you if you were just a regular person you just thought that they made better stuff better cars (laughs) better VCRs better Walkmans better you know 
and and America pop American popular culture just translated that into their come yeah. for our for our jobs and our money right. and our lives. <laughs> right? I mean that's that's what happened. It does seem so. All right. It's Why don't we take a break? Crazy. Yeah, got... yeah, because because this is my this is where I got my first Otomo note. So I, I yeah. think we're gonna have a lot to say about. <laughs> we're gonna have plenty to say. This week's guest RoboCop. <laughs> so All right, we'll get into it when we come back. Right after this. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2 a T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2 a T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. Here we are. Tom and I are back again chatting about RoboCop 3. We haven't stopped talking about, at least about, why the fuck Japan, like, even off micro, like, why the fuck was America so scared of Japan? <laughs> just like, what was, Some kind of what? projected guilt over the atom bomb, Pearl Harbor, like, I mean, what, what's going on here? Yeah, we're talking a, a good almost 50 years Yeah, since Pearl Harbor, and yet it's still on our minds. Apparently. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It all comes out. It's in, it's in our subconscious writ large, because it's in all of our cinema. Of that's, and the, the monster of that subconscious is apparently Otomo. Yeah. Who, now, let's talk Otomo, because <laughs> he's in his own movie. Oh, absolutely. He's not in this movie nope. really. He's he's a character that seems to exist only in reshoots. Yeah. <laughs> If he has zero you, listen, connection to the main listen narrative. To me. If if someone was to tell me that, you know, like Back to the Future style, like Back to the Future 2 style yeah. where you shoot mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox as a, as a woman and then shoot Michael yeah. J. Fox as Marty McFly and then you put the films over each other or whatever they do and the, so that they're together. If you told me that Adomo was like shot completely separate from all other actors... <laughs> In this movie, I would believe it without a single problem. I would not have any and, hesitation. And, and if it was Back to the Future Part 2, there would also be a Japanese businessman abusing someone over a video screen. Well, you kind of get that with, with Mako. No, that's what I mean. Like, the crossovers are yeah. infinite. Right. 
Um, Except I can't understand. I don't want to. I don't want to skip. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna make the same. I think we're okay. about to make the same point. <laughs> right, but fine. go ahead. I want to see what you say. Well, I was gonna say. I mean, you don't find out until the e- end of the movie, but it seems mm. like Mako, Mako or Mako. I don't know. All right. Make I would go Mako. Okay, Mako. It seems to me that so he's sort of the overlord. Yeah. Is he separate from Omnicorp or is he Omnicorp? No, he, he well he I mean again, I, this is all my work, not the film. Yeah, but, right. Exactly, because um, I'm Let's let's assume, right? And and this is, you know, where the you know, the the anti-Japanese stuff comes in. Let's assume his company bought Omnicorp. That's what so it seems like to me, right? Yes. Okay. Right. So he's the he's the head of the conglomerate that owns Omnicorp. Right. Again, nothing in the film to tell us <laughs> this, <laughs> by the way. Could throw in a line or two, but that's how it seems to me. All right. That was my assumption as well. And he seems to have this evil plan, right? And part of his evil plan is... No, I, I, he, his plan doesn't... I don't... I, well, you, you lost me at plan, but go on. Well, I mean, because... It might be evil, but I don't know what his plan is. Well, because he's at least sending an evil robot to take care Only of some... Only in reshoots. ...to take care of some business. <laughs> but it's... But at the end of the movie... But that robot doesn't interact with anyone from the film. I know, I know. But... I was going to say that why why do they need that dub that dubbing translation... With the that sounds like a speaking spell. Oh yeah, no, yeah, right. When we know he speaks perfect English from an earlier scene, <laughs> and from all anyway. of his other work. Also, I, I, so I also had the. This is another thought I had about Atomo. First was this: that he exists entirely in reshoots. The second thought I had about Atomo. You know who <laughs> he looks I like. Drifting, while I was, well, no, let look, I will save that. But okay, <laughs> while I was drifting in this. <laughs> This film, I thought, was he originally filmed? Was was he originally supposed to be a robot? (laughs) Was there a point at which, during filming, they decided he was not? He was a robot. No, my assumption was he always was a robot. I understand. I understand, and that's what the film ends up with. Yeah, but I could imagine a world where that that those scenes start getting filmed. Before they knew he was a robot. <laughs> Halloween 3 style. <laughs> I see. Oh, man. Wow. Or even, even you know, Oper- uh, Operation Midnight. Uh-huh. From uh, The Office. <laughs> yes, yes, the, right. As the robot butler. Oh, I guess I did make him a robot after all. Um. So that was my <laughs> second thought. And the third thought I had was that this was a late-in-the-day... Uh, kind of knee-jerk response to Robert Patrick in T2. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. That they needed a humanoid robot. Well, not to say... Well, not to say Robocop isn't humanoid, but uh, a a cyborg, basically. Like a... I... so I had all those thoughts while I was thinking, while I, while I was trying to figure out why Atobo was in the film. Well, see, because he <laughs> he looks more to me like not so much thunder, but rain or lightning from like Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I got that vibe. Yeah, 
Except, a, oh, and, except and, and, a, you know, just to make it just to make it clear, if it is a response to Robert Patrick in T two, it failed horribly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna, I don't I don't want anyone to think I'm making a comparison there, only in intent, not uh, not uh, outcome. If that if that was what you were going for, not well yeah. done. Yeah. That's fantastic. So yes, in this in the movie that he is in by himself. He is chasing our new heroes, which is not RoboCop, but the Rebels. Yes. So it's CCH Pounder and her gang of merry men. Exactly. Plus a yeah, kindergarten. Because it's a her motley, her motley crew and an orphan child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Homeless, homeless activist terrorists. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are heroes? Um. Yeah, I, I. Oh, I also have a note when they take RoboCop back to the precinct. I have a note here yeah. that says we're still having an argument as to whether or not he's a person or a robot. So it's the same dilemma every time, just rearticulated yeah. slightly. It's barely rearticulated in this one. So annoying. The scene, the scene between um, Bradley Whitford, who is called Fleck in this film, but who the fuck cares? Yeah. <laughs> Bradley, Whitford. Yes. Bradley Whitford in glasses. Um, and Dr. Lazarus. Mm-hmm. When again, oh, I yeah. When he, There's an I awful when lot of toxicity. Dr. Lazarus. I thought he was joking yeah. because, you know, she brought him back to life. But that's actually a name. That's her name. So it's not a joke. Again, I take that half point away. <laughs> um... <laughs> And that scene is all again, like insultingly restacking the RoboCop law for us. You're in yeah. RoboCop three, right? Okay, if you've made it this far, you you've got to grips with the idea of what RoboCop is. Yes, I think. Last in our last movie, we went ahead and added four hundred different new directives, and then had to get rid of them all through Frankensteinism. Yep. Like we yeah, know who yeah. he is now. We've got it. It's it's you know, he's got his three prime directives and we're good to yeah. go. Plus now that now that there's a now that he's um so do, do we have the same thing where when he sees the child he thinks of his own family? Does that actually happen or have I Mandela affected that? I don't have a note, so I'm not okay. sure. Oh wait. No, Maybe that's yeah. a moment of nuance and subtlety in the film, man. Because I doubt it. That his, his attachment to the kid is because he's you know can't see his own son. Right. Uh, who's like, I don't know, 25 by now, something like that. I don't know. I don't know how time works in these films. Um, speaking, well, and again, like, yeah, I've just got scattered through here 1993-isms. Anti-transhumor. Mm-hmm. When we first... But we've meet, we've dealt re, with that re, meet, plenty re. in in the late eighties and the early nineties. We have those notes in all the movies we've done. It, yeah. It's in all of them. It's a it's 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 the basic it's your basic anti sex worker comedy, mm-hmm. but they layered in a bit of anti trans humor in there as well. Yeah, uh, because you know you can't just reintroduce Reed. You have to introduce him in the midst of a joke. Yeah. Because he's, because he's not a comedic character. Um, yeah, it's, and again, again, it's really, and this is 
this is an attack on Robocop 2 as well. It's really mushy as to who was supposed to be behind in both these sequels. Yeah. Like, where's the moral center? No, okay? Yeah, like, right. Because the police seem like stone cold villains at this point. So where do these where does the priest where do the precinct officers stand in all this? I mean well, I know I know there's some because... kind of evil annex to the station. <laughs> right, right, right. Where the Nazis work. <laughs> well, but they're separate, right? I mean they work for Omnicorp, so they're they're a different deal. But so do the police. The police are I know. Oh, that's I, what I, I know, don't understand. I know, I understand, but I don't get it. I don't get the stuff. I guess all I was saying was they're they're never in the same building. No. The Nazis but, but seem to the come same from building. somewhere else. It's just else. an annex. <laughs> they literally say, I don't know what the line is, but it's something like, oh no, the Nazis work in the shed over there. What? But it's attached to the building. Oh, I, I think. don't remember that. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, that's that's That makes this movie even worse and more fantastic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Here's, here's my note uh, verbatim I wanted to read to you. Now, don't quote me on this, but I think they might be setting something up with this body armor dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? I have the same When someone note. shouts to Lewis as she yes. leaves, Hey, you forgot your body armor. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Because my note after that is, well, I say we have a showdown at the church, and I said, and I wrote, we have a big fat death scene. I wrote big fat a lot in my notes. Big yeah, fat stupid big, attacks, well, big fat death scenes, big fat terrible line readings. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the big this is the big mama's house of yeah. Robocop movies. Well, what's funny to me about this death scene? is that it comes early enough in the movie for me to think that they wanted to have, like, a big swing mm. for their movie. but Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, it comes late enough, enough in the movie, rather. It comes late enough in the movie that oh, I okay. that they were going for a big swing, but it also comes early enough in the movie for me to think, did Nancy Allen just not want yeah. to do this movie and she agreed to do this, like, you know, this much I of believe, a movie? I believe both of the, both of your points are true. Yeah. I think, I think they, I think there's a Venn, the Venn diagram of those two points <laughs> is what we see on screen. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, I mean, we talk a lot on this podcast about reverse engineering stories. Yeah, points. right, right. But this is like front and reverse. This is forward and reverse engineered simultaneously. Right. <laughs> so you've got, you've, they plant the seed of the body armor uh -huh. and then she's going to a church. Yeah. And it's like, well, there's only one thing that can happen at this point, right? There's, there's no... It's not, there's no the, subtlety. The, the clues are there. Yeah. For us as as um, as viewers, and as I had said, I hadn't seen this movie before. So when I got the armor, the body armor line, I thought, "Hey, wait a second. Yeah, uh, am I going to see Lewis for the... five more minutes?" And that's exactly what happened. And again, that sort of half point of of credit that I would give them for killing off a major le legacy character, mm -hmm. right? When, and where they do in the film, I take away because you see it coming a mile off. Right. Exactly. 
and it's engineered in such a way that it it could only be a death because it's a fucking church. So you know they're gonna have the scene where he carries her, um, you know, to her to her grave. Right. Like it, you know, it's gonna happen. Sorry, I was snickering so there. I, Not I, over again. Her. I take that half point away. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're still you 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 know you're I mean you're well in the minuses by now RoboCop three but oh yeah so you you're never getting out of that hole you're never getting out of the minus hole right okay now <laughs> but you 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 could have had like you could have had a significantly you gained a half point. lower minus than you did right <laughs> <laughs> and you know this is so this is where I have. Uh, the, the the this movie's double inversion of the of RoboCop, it's a double imbass. <laughs> because RoboCop aligns himself with the criminals, mm-hmm. so that's, that's an inversion. That's, that's that's an inversion of the first film. But in the second film, we had a criminal who became a RoboCop. So I think it's a double. I think it's a. <laughs> That was that was that inversion, and so again, I'm not sure what we're inverting, but something's being inverted. Sure, <laughs> part part of it maybe is that RoboCop is becoming a criminal, but yeah, but he doesn't really become a criminal in the eyes of the other cops. The cops start to take, you know, by the end of this yeah. movie, the cops are going to be fighting side by side with. And again, that's classic. That's classic. Uh, RoboCop scapegoating, isn't it? Yeah, like, right. It's, it's always the wild card. There's always like a wild card uh, within the organization. It's never the organization. Yeah. So it's not the cops' fault. It's not OCP's fault. Um. It's whoever the somebody the, goes you know, rogue. Well, it's what? Yeah, it's the rogue of the week, Ronnie Cox. Yeah. Then it's uh, um, you know, Dan O'Hurley's mo- um mistress. Right. And now it's uh John Castle. Mm-hmm. As um as the British Gestapo guy. And I think we were just talking yeah. I think we were talking off air, right? Cuz I said I think Yeah, I should... yeah, we were trying to figure out who John Castle yeah. is cuz you think he'd be bigger than he is but he isn't. Right. When you first see him you think Oh, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Got famous That's somewhere. what you think. Yeah. Yeah. But really, it is just a series of British TV dramas from the eighties and nineties. All right, he, the, he didn't break in the way that some some did. Maybe it's just because he looks like Henry Rollins. So I think I think I'm looking at Henry Rollins. Maybe it's like he could. He be looks like Henry Le- Rollins. He looks like when dad. Liam Neeson when ne- Liam Neeson played Hannibal in the eighteen movie. That's what he looks like. Yes, absolutely. But anyway, I mean, like clearly, the obviously. This is part of the film's agenda to sort of take what is ostensibly a domestic social problem mm-hmm. and to scapegoat it using foreigners, right? So is the is the there's a British guy in charge of the rehabs. Is a Japanese guy yeah. with a with a crazy robot controlling things in the shadows in OCP. Right. Cuz in 1993 everyone... British people and and Japanese people they just yeah. pose as the evil people. Yeah, well, if 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 Japan wasn't a threat, we definitely weren't a threat in 1993. <laughs> in the doldrums of the John Major years, no way. Um, yeah, we were. It's yeah, funny uh, because you can use someone 
like John Castle as the stand-in for evil, because, you know, British accent. But this is also yeah. in the middle of us falling in love with, like, Kenneth Branagh and exactly. Emma Thompson, yeah, it's, you know? It's odd, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, I mean, again, culturally, there's a lot to say about, about that, isn't it? Sort of like, you know, go, going back to the American Revolution, like, it, it's... You're it's your enemy, but your enemy is also yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's like so. It's kind of like <laughs> there's always going to be that duality there. Yeah, they're going to be the worst villains, but also the best heroes. Um, I have a note here note is, that like because it's, because it's shortly after Nancy Allen's death, you know, and they have to go back. They go further down into the sewers, and they're running away from the the Nazis. Yeah. And uh, I have a note here that this was Stephen Root's biggest moment of going to the overacting school. Yeah. That I just thought was gold to see such a great <laughs> actor overact so much in a moment yeah. to me was delightful. And then. And also, like, even when this film, because I don't, th- there's not much to suggest that Stephen Root is the traitor. No, yeah. And yet. I absolutely knew it was him. <laughs> I, I like, even when this film is covering its tracks, it, it can't keep its bad screenwriting tendencies. Right. Because like, subconsciously, it's like, well, yeah, it's got to be him. Yeah. But I don't know why Because there's a I moment that. fairly early on where I can't remember if it's the cops that okay. mention it first or if it's the the actual yeah, Nazis says, that John say... Yeah, says, I have a spy. Yeah, okay. So spy. he says, I have a and spy. And then immediately in and your immediately head, you, you think Rude. it has to be Stephen Root. <laughs> Who the fuck else would it be? <laughs> Um, is this is this about when they're going to Christmas Tree Hammock Town? <laughs> I, <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. I just like that description. Yeah, I, I, well, I couldn't... Th- I, that's what it is. I can't think of any other way to describe it. <laughs> it's some kind of shanty town based around Christmas trees and hammocks. Yeah. Um... This is where we have the dominoes in the game saying, which again is not a saying. Um, <laughs> right. I I have some notes that uh, because this is. What, does something go wrong at Omnicorp? Because. Well, Johnson's in charge. So. Right. But, no, Rip Torn's in charge. So, well, yes. yeah. Rip Torn's in charge. We haven't. We talked about that in the ranking episode. Rip, rip, we did. Rip, it has no bearing on the plot, by the no, way. No, not at all. But Rip Torn is in charge of of this new Omnicorp, and boy, is he arty. He's he's arty, and also his character from Thirty Rock combined. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Uh, which is to say, he is Rip Torn. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the 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 other thing that ma- but makes but something goes wrong men in, at men the in black, right? Something goes wrong. Yeah. Something goes wrong at the company because I wrote that. Uh, remember when that guy just walks out of the window? There's like suicide oh, yeah, comedy he in this suicide, movie. Suicide, yeah. And Bradley so the, Whitford the, gets fired. Well, the stock is tanking because uh, Delta City isn't getting built fast enough, right? Because of the. It's not because a robot goes nuts. Activism. What Otomo? I was I I was trying to remember if the Sentry Guard did something bad. <laughs> I can't remember anything. All of the above are possibilities. Yeah. 
speak well speaking of Atomo, which we weren't, but I have a note about Atomo here. Yeah. Um we haven't talked about him for long enough. Um if they were going for I wanna say it's right around here going... that he's introduced. Yeah, well if they were going for well, I, again, I've got two notes here. Like the jaw like the first time we see any robotness of him mm-hmm. is the jaw displacement. Yeah. And it's entirely practical. And I think, you know, it's sort of like, is it to do that in 1993? <laughs> that really, you really are sort of like banging the practical drum to the point where it looks almost quaint <laughs> and not at all threatening. Um, and no morphing. I, I, I could have sworn we'd get morphing. Yeah, point, right. But we, 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 we didn't. Um, and then the other part is when Atomo's going around doing his detective work. Yeah. Detective Atomo. Um, I like he when he stops... finds that map. or The uh, the map, yeah. right? Did you notice he's reading that map in a sushi restaurant? Yeah, I did. Now, I don't think he needs to eat. Right, yeah. So why does it need to be a sushi restaurant, apart from the fact that he's a Japanese robot? No, yeah, of course. That's, that's the only reason. If he's not eating anything or drinking anything, he could be sitting anywhere and doing that. Park bench. Right, exactly. So, I I mean, it is just like this sort of, God, I'm not getting enough Japanese from this character. We need to surround him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's ludicrous. He's a a martial arts robot. How are you not getting enough Japanese from this guy? Uh, this the sequence again. This was another half point for me. Okay. Um, that was then taken away. <laughs> of uh, course. With <laughs> uh, when ro- when they're rebuilding RoboCop. See now, I that's not a half point for me because I wrote down <laughs> that we're having repeats of scenes that they knew worked, and we liked from the first movie. Okay, so that's what I couldn't remember. They do the same POV. Yeah. Thing. Okay, so that's a callback. To, and you kind of okay. get it in the second one when okay, they're tearing well that, them that's apart. Minus a half point. Yeah. <laughs> carry on, carry on. But the prob the problem I had with it, the reason I took away the half point, which now uh, now I'm remembering what you're now saying. Now you're going to take I, away I a full point. Never given. I, exactly, it's a full point that it never had. Um, it's buried under lame, like it's done oh, yeah. far too comedically for it to be affected. But if if it's a if it's a pull from the original film, then then fuck them altogether. <laughs> yeah, there's if, so if much. If you take of it. some, you know, that and and that makes RoboCop two look better, right? Because there's certain parts of of RoboCop two where they inherit aspects of the original movie, but do something with them. Yeah, because they're tearing them apart. Kind of that kind of work. And this film is exactly the opposite. Right. Whenever it that movie gets a half point film. because some of those scenes half work. Yeah. Right. Um, and this is when we get into the the tunnel of memories. Well, and this is, is my CG sequence. Yeah. So we have that. This is where we get our morphing. Oh, do we? There's some morphing in there. Yeah. Okay. But interestingly, not with the Tomo. I could. I mean, this is what I mean about missing missing the point completely. <laughs> it's the early '90s, so you gotta have morphing. But the morphing's in the wrong place. It is. In this weird sort of psychedelic sequence, 
where we go down the tunnel of his memory of Robocop's memories. Of his memories, right. And and see a ser- uh, see so, see well this is a big impasse. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We yeah, we see the, you know, uh recap footage from the first film. Right. Which conspicuously edits around the presence of, of Peter, Peter Weller. Weller. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a really dangerous thing to do it's... when you replace the actor. Well, and especially because no matter what you do in that vein, you're going to remind people of that first movie and that first actor. So it's unwise. Yeah, right. Yeah. You're not going to... You, you, you've you failed the demented grandma test at this point. <laughs> you're going to tip people that this isn't Peter Weller. Well, and then I have my note that this is where the big, fat, stupid attack happens after that, Okay. Right? Because at first I couldn't remember what that big, fat, stupid attack was, and then I remembered <laughs> that all the Nazis go down into the sewers. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. And That's right. my favorite part of it was that Jill Hennessy, who we haven't talked a lot about, but she's we've said that she's <laughs> Dr. Lazarus, which is fantastic. Uh, Dr. Lazarus, not a joke. Right. Dr. Lazarus, not a joke. And then, oh, so we we bring up because one of the things that the gang stole at the beginning of the movie was something that just looked shiny. <laughs> just, they, I think they literally say, "I don't know what that is, but it looks good." Oh my god! And so when she, they don't even know the scr- They don't even know what the MacGuffin is. Yeah, exactly. And so at when least she, the characters on screen have to know what MacGuffin they're chasing. <laughs> it's just a basic rule. Yeah. <laughs> Says on the Bucks MacGuffin. <laughs> Fragile. So let's take it. Because <laughs> we're in a film. <laughs> so yeah, she's when when Hennessy shows up in their underground lair before the Nazis yeah. attack, she says, Hey, look at this. And they're like, Yeah, what is that? <laughs> she says, Oh, it's oh something for God. Robocop so he can fly around. How do you know that? Right, it's well because I designed his new it. bit of his new bit of kit, right? Yeah. So even when he's not a toy in this film, we treat him like he's a toy. Right. He's just got. And this, it does, He's got this accessory. It does not help that that accessory looks very much like Buzz Lightyear's wings <laughs> when they expand out. And of course, you know when it comes to fruition. It's an early, it's an early example of uh, he flies now. Mm-hmm. Of they they fly now, you know. Yeah. Same. It's, I mean, this is this is the pool of mediocrity from which J.J. Abrams has drawn, right? This is <laughs> this is where he goes for inspiration. <laughs> Robocop three, everyone. It's been at least a couple. Episodes. That's how we ended up with Rise of Skywalker. It's it's been at least a couple of episodes since you drummed poor J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams left his TV on late at night, saw this, and you know he had a he had a nearly three hour movie to make Fantastic. with no story left. Right. <laughs> oh well. Well, why don't we take one last break and then we'll come back and finish up? How about that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think we're I think we're getting through. We're getting this, we're uh, getting nicely. dangerously close to this movie's third act. <laughs> Which is fucking batshit crazy. Does this okay? Oh, we're we're laying into this piece of shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> but <laughs> with cause. Does it does it sort of does it have like you know you said third is, is it is it a bit does it is it superior in at least structure to Robocop two? 
Mm, no. Okay. I don't think so, because I have notes but here. It's not, te- it's not terrible. It's not as terrible as other aspects of the film. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Okay. Yeah. That's about the best we can do, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Fred Decker. It's not our fault. No, it's not our fault, but I like to be fair. It's not us, it's you. I'm re- and and as you can tell with my half point scheme, I'm really trying to you, be fair. Uh, to this you film, you but are. But it's not making it. It's not meet me halfway. <laughs> Yeoman's effort. And then you ask it's me a question. Not meeting me and halfway. I say no, no. That's from the first movie. And you're like, well, fuck them then. <laughs> I knew this was too good to be true. It must be a Verhoeven original. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back and we'll finish up with RoboCop 3. I like to think I know something about beer. But nowadays, even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day, you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need. The Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. We're back one last time, ladies and gentlemen, to finish up with RoboCop 3. Can't even get through the title without laughing. I know. I really can't. <laughs> you got that Terry Jones disease of uh, not being able to finish a sentence without laughing. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's this movie's fault. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's not our fault we can't take it seriously. No. As stated before, you're trying real hard to get so many <laughs> it's, half points. It's ridiculous. <laughs> But uh, you know, trying to see the part, because you know it's it's. I not I don't feel vindictive towards this film. Yeah, no, even I don't though, either. Even though it very clearly wasted my time, right? Person, right? I don't I don't have a Terminator Salvation type beef against it, you know. But <laughs> but nonetheless, it's poor. It's it's very poor. <laughs> well. I mean, when we left, we were talking about this big, fat, stupid attack mm-hmm. where the Nazis come down. That's right, yes. My favorite part of all of that is that Jill Hennessy picks up the the kindergartner, the little yes. girl, mm-hmm. and puts her behind into, like, a, a vent shaft Yeah. with a grate on it in which anybody could see her. 
Yes, absolutely. She's just yeah. standing right there in front of him. And what I like is that right. she, even though it's inexplicable the way it's filmed and shot because Jill Hennessy mm-hmm. gets her, and everybody who's charging in can just see what she's doing. But they make <laughs> it seem like it's covert. And she gets yeah. she gets the little girl behind into this vent shaft and closes the sort of gate behind it. But the gate, the gate has, you know, bars that are huge, huge. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> and you can see everything that the little girl's doing, but she runs down into the vent shaft. But my favorite thing is that she comes back. Mm. You know, when uh, John Castle enters the room and yeah. he's just standing right in front of her and she comes back and is staring through the the grate and then, then leaves again, making a ton of fucking noise. But mm-hmm. nobody manages to see her. And then she leaves and manages to go to... Omnicorp through the venture. That's right, yeah. Well, she's sort of like, she gets the, you know, she gets shaft happy and... Uh, right. But again, finds it... it's, it's, it's one of those moments where they don't make it seem that it's happening because she's a computer genius. No. It's as though she just found her way there. By accident. Exactly. Yeah. Um... But the, oh, go a, ahead. I, I have another morality point here. Because like a re- point for the movie, no, or a point to no, make. No, 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 <laughs> I mean, just this as a point of view. Okay. Um, not not a scoring point. Uh, the rehab the rehab unit is set ablaze by the terrorists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our, our, our hero terrorists. Right. Now. This again, again, this unresolved issue is is the rehab unit part of the police? Mm-hmm. Because and here's one thing. Here's the line I was thinking of, which <laughs> complicates everything. If this line was removed, so much more would make sense. In OCP, they draft in regular cops to the rehab unit. Mm-hmm. From the ones who've been killed in the various terrorist attacks. On police officers that we don't care about, right? The police are evil. So when the, when the rehab unit is set ablaze, it's seen as this positive thing, and yet we know because of this line that regular cops have been killed, like innocent people. Not in, innocent. I mean, I mean, cop people who aren't part of this militarized police unit, right? Have been blown up. And the movie kinds of acknowledged that that's happened without acknowledging the consequences of that choice. Yes, right, right, yeah, yeah. So, it's it's odd. So that is not. When we get into this, that very is not strange... a point. No, it wasn't. It was not definitely not a point. Not even uh, a half point. Not even a half point. Then we get into this weird middle class sweater wearing prostitute scene, which I I don't know what to make of. I it's like. But the, the, there's a, Wait, what a sex happens? worker who, he's like a sex worker, and it's her first day on the job, um, and she's like obviously she's like just trying to pay some bit. She's got into money trouble, and she's paid. So it's like the movie's sort of saying we don't want to, you know, identify with someone like an actual sex worker. We want a sex worker with deniability, like just a kind of middle class fallen through the cracks. The kind fuck of did I get up and make a sandwich? What? I don't uh, remember this. 
<laughs> and um, and I think it is. It's supposed to be like it was like you know the, in the last film, the sex workers we saw were the were basically you know street hoodlums. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. They were bullies. Yeah, they were they were street bully thieves. Yeah, uh, who were like dominatrixy, and this is sort of the idea of like they turn the idea into an innocent victim. But I'm trying to I vaguely. Know, maybe rem- I fell. Maybe I fell asleep and imagined this. But I, I'm uh, trying to vaguely. I, I like. I have a vague memory of. Is it sort of the idea of you know somebody off the bus from Kansas kind of a thing? And it's kind of yeah. It, there's lots of lines to the effect of. Uh, I'm a sex worker, but I'm not really a sex worker. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that. <laughs> it's around the time I have it at least here. Around the time again, I could have fallen asleep if uh, when um, Robocop comes uh, goes into the hotel, we find yeah. McDaggett in the CD hotel room. It's just before that. Okay. Uh, just before the line, I, I hope you have insurance. Just can't place a face. Oh, it's so annoying. It's. I mean, it's dispensable, but I guess I just. I, it, it just struck me because of the contrast. Well, because one of my next the film, bend, the film bending over backwards to have a prostitute character without mm-hmm. committing to to what that actually means, right? <laughs> Which is pretty much everything in this film, right? It's like oh, yeah. committing to the idea of it, but not the consequences. Well, because I maybe I was too focused on because I have a note that that is we have a scene from another movie from 1993. Oh, we do. Yeah. Where the cops walk out and they're like dropping their badges. Right. And it's it very much reminded me of the football players that wouldn't play without Rudy. And they all put their jerseys on the okay. coach's desk. Well, I mean, there's a more direct reference, which is Dirty Harry. Just Dirty Harry himself, but not the whole unit, not not the whole police force. No, but I, I, the fact that they're dropping the badge, I mean, that's that's doing a Dirty Harry, isn't it? I guess, but I took it I mean, more because... because we're, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you've gone to... You've gone to footballers before cups. <laughs> but, carry, but carry on. Well, I took it more as Rudy because they're all they're all in it together, as opposed okay. to just the one man putting down his badge. Yeah, even though these terrorists have killed many of their colleagues. Yeah, right. In, in the annex, they're they're going to work <laughs> with them. There's also this idea that we haven't talked about yet, in which. Every time we see the Nazis, who look very much mm-hmm. like Nazis, on mm-hmm. television in the movie, mm. they're saying, <laughs> yeah, we were doing this and trying to clear people out, but then this accident happened, and it just happens that, like, 4,000 people died. That kind of thing. Yeah. And... Sad- sadly, is that much different from what the actual <laughs> news media at our time do? True. With police actions? But I, but exactly. But my point is, is it's not too hard to see through the veneer of how evil these these Nazi cops are, you know? Uh, Yeah. And yet it doesn't seem as though anybody in the public except the entire town that they're trying to transform is aware. Who, I mean, to your point, who also watch it on television. 
Yeah, right. And could just look out of their windows and see. Exactly. People. Okay, that's not what's happening because there's a this they're about to blow up the house. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads another... them to which leads them to you know bring the. The gang that even attacked them at the beginning, if yeah. they bring them into the fold. Did you notice a background moment when the when when the gang is getting guns from the cops and like gear uh-huh. and stuff? Uh-huh. Did you notice this golden moment of the guy with the mohawk trying to figure out how to put the helmet on? Yes, yes, yeah. With his yeah. mohawk. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, we haven't mentioned the Splatterpunks beyond the name because they, again, they really don't. They're like rip torn. You could, you could rip torn them out of this, and that's an interesting they're... point. You could take almost everything out of this movie. <laughs> it's all a reshoot. Is it everything exists yeah. in different reshoots? Right. You could take out rip torn. You could take out the robot. Are, the Splatterpunks are drafted in, as far as I can tell, to replace. The regular cops who were murdered by our heroes <laughs> in the in the terrorist attack on the evil annex of the police station. Oh fuck! After the because now the regular police are working for them. So the splatterpunks, which is again just recycling the story of RoboCop Two, <laughs> where a crimin, crimin, the head criminal becomes the the head cop. Um. <laughs> This is where RoboCop breaks into the hotel again. Yeah. Half point. The whole the hotel receptionist just goes, uh, go, yeah, just tells like he said, tells them where to go. But he also great, says that elevator's is... broken or something yeah. like that. You know. Well, he says like he just he's just like oh he's in room and I was like that's funny that's a funny <laughs> moment and then he says I hope you have insurance. Yeah, and that's like, right. oh for God's sake. Let me give you this half point. <laughs> Stop putting a hat on a hat. <laughs> but something that some again, like the the best way I can describe the effects in this movie, especially given that it's nineteen ninety three, two years after Terminator Two, is mm-hmm. is there's just some quaint effects and some real handmade stuff. The gun, the when the gun is bouncing around in the hotel corridor, and it's yeah. so clearly on strings. Yeah, I just went, oh, adorable. <laughs> but because it's like, oh, you really want to impress us, don't you? But you don't well, know how. <laughs> and I can say the same for when RoboCop starts flying around. Yes. Oh, you know. Fuck yes. I mean, I have the this fact note, that he's flying I, around in the first place. Yeah, I. You know, he's he. So, I mean, that's jumping ahead a little bit, isn't it? But. I mean, we're basically. Oh yeah, because we got to we got to talk about RoboCop in the pimp mobile. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot about that. Remember? Yes. <laughs> and you mentioned like other other movies that this crosses over with, and I'm gonna say that I don't know if you remember the mo- the Wayne's Brother movie. Um, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking a juice in the hood. Yeah. But they have a lot of fake movie posters in that film. One of them is Robo Pimp. And it's like, you don't actually have to make up a movie in which Robocop is in a pimpmobile. Because Robocop 3 exists. Oh, fuck. And, this, and it's the, uh, there's like a cha- chain of events that happen following this. Yes. Which makes me think that there are certain set pieces that you only get in bad movies. That are like a telltale sign that you're watching a bad movie. <laughs> Driving a car that's on fire. 
Yeah, right, right. <laughs> if, if you see that, you're, you're, you're not watching a good film. <laughs> no one chooses to do it in a bad film. I also think people playing hockey for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Batman and Robin. Which is, of course, a good movie. You, but, yeah, um, I was just going to say, what are you talking about? You like that movie. <laughs> uh, Pounder gets pounded. Yeah. Because this film is de- determined to kill off as many strong female leads as it can. It just must. <laughs> I'm surprised Dr. Lazarus didn't get it by the end of the film. So. I, I was surprised by that too, frankly. But um, again, you have a moment of, you know, a really good actor not mm. being able to do good work. No, no. I mean, what does every actor want? A great death scene. This isn't it. <laughs> no, it really isn't. Yeah, I, I again, and I think that they, as you were saying about the Lewis scene, I think they think they're giving these actors meaty stuff to work yeah, with. Yeah, right. Really not. Hence, you know, Reed and his resignation scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and him him joining the, the terrorists. Right. Like... It feels like that, you know, that they're like, well, that gives Sergeant Reed, who's, you know, typically underused in this series, something to do. It's like, yeah, it does. But it really feels like you're just trying to give him something to do. Yeah. <laughs> because you got nothing to do. Nothing to do. Because he has nothing like, to do. Yeah. It's like, can, can he sweep up somewhere? I mean, there's got to be a better use. <laughs> this is where I have the note that the rehabs are... Um, are what the neo-Nazis from the Blues Brothers think they look like in their mind's eye. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see John Castle sort of say, what are you going to do about it, Whitey? Whitey, right. <laughs> the best. <laughs> you don't like it? No, I don't like Whitey. it. Whitey, it's that pause. Yeah, that's the best thing about the Blues Brothers is the pause that Henry Gibson takes before. Whitey. Because <laughs> Henry Gibson is Henry Gibson. Yes. Uh, we got to talk about Johnny Rehab, this animated right. uh, PSA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll talk about it more in the credit check because it's interesting who made it. Okay. But, um, this is like their their version of. So they haven't really done the media break thing in this film. That yeah, so this right. This is the only like remnant of that, mm-hmm. and they've gone full animated on it again, nineteen ninety three. Uh, we like to have animated sequences in films for some reason. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. Um, and a voiceover that sounds like Martin Sheen. Uh, and I just thought, I thought it, you know, it was interesting. Like, it was there. Basically, they were like, this is our one bit of satire for the entire film. For, this is what, yeah, yeah, this is so what let's these just movies go are to town to on it. Let's, hi- let's yeah. draft in some animators. Uh, and... Um, and we don't, and it's the early '90s, so we don't mind having extended animated sequences in our films. Correct. We prefer it. But this was this was a you know we haven't talked much about eerie prescience with this film, although we should because the whole militarized police thing is, you know, alarming. Haunts, yeah, yeah, haunt, haunts policing until this day. Uh, but the anchor who walks off the air refusing to read the the bullshit copy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this has this has happened in recent years when 
the companies that own the news stations have given the newsreaders, uh, you know, nonsense, um, f- fake news, mm-hmm. misinformation, and so and you know most of them have just read it as if it's copy, but others have sort of like protested against it. So it's kind of in- I mean, you know, again, like I, I don't think it's it feels like an accident, but still. But you're gonna give a half well, point. At no, least. because I don't think it's intent in any way intentional. But <laughs> I just <laughs> let's say history gives it a half point. All right, fine. <laughs> but I'm not gonna do it. Um. Oh God, this is where I have the note. It's so weird that we've talked about this already, but I didn't realize I had a note about it. When when Reed takes control of the terrorists, when mm-hmm. he starts to you know like like lead the um the the. I don't know what you call it the, the line, yeah, of defense. I I wrote this feels like this film could be much the same if RoboCop wasn't in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that if Pete, when Peter Weller didn't want to come back, they could have just done RoboCop without RoboCop, right? And it wouldn't really have affected the film. <laughs> Sergeant Cop. Sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> Robocop forever. Yeah. Starts yeah. With like, right. It starts with a 10 minute funeral for Robocop. I'd, I'd watch that actually. Uh, he's oh, as great. irreplaceable as Chadwick Boseman. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is when. I mean, this we've caught up with your note about this is when he flies. Oh man! It's what we what we what we do in sequels when we run out of ideas, people start flying around. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> Are We've there other examples, examples of flying of around? Well, Rise of Skywalker. We had one more recently. We had really? a. Was it a? Was it Star Trek or? No, or was it? You can't count space movies. Of course, of, they're flying around. It may around. even been Return of the Jedi. I'd, well, let's keep an eye on it. All right. Two we'll examples is enough where you got to go. Two examples in the third installment of a Right. <laughs> it's got to be, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a giveaway. Uh, and now there's lots of Hitomos having thought that there was yeah, only right. one. Yeah, right. So there's there's multiple Hitomos. But my one of my questions for you, this last portion so, of the so film. Stupid. Yeah. It... <laughs> It's so stupid. It's so dumb. It, but is it dumb enough to become almost that? Like, does it even get close to so bad it's good? I think I'd have to watch it again. Yeah. Because it did not strike me the first time I watched then it. Then I'll say no. Yeah. <laughs> if those are my options, watch it again and reconsider. Or no, no. Just the last part, not the whole movie. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I like so, with with sublime with you know good is so good it's so bad it's good. There has to be a level of sublime. Yeah, kind of there's not that. And I, I'm still thinking about the incompetence because think how many at this point in the film, how many independent storylines are running in parallel. Yeah, like everyone's paired off into their own little part of the film. Right. There's no connection between any of these storylines. So, but the mass-produced Atomo's kind of like it's almost it's it's almost there. 
Um, That's the only part of it, though. But it feels a bit desperate as well. It feels like, well, what do we do with it now? What do we do with this guy now? Well, it's know, also yeah. The, the one of the problems with it is you you bring up something that you're going to have to resolve three minutes later. Yes, completely. So uh, the this is where someone actually calls RoboCop Tin Man. I think at this in this portion of the film. I think you're right. Which I think is funny, given that. Oh, but we haven't even. That's what we said about him in the last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But on, to, you, sorry, to, to your something. point about the, the disparate storylines, because we forgot to mention that Jill Hennessy, she's kidnapped. She's taken to Omnicorp. Yeah. For some reason, the child has found her way through the vents into the building. That's right. That's and it's, right. you know, she's looking like somehow she, again, a great that you can see right through. Uh, and... <laughs> Jill, Jill Hennessy's locked in a room and she says, hey, can you do this? She's like, of course I can do that. I have my laptop. And so right, right. she's able to, uh, you What's know. a sine wave? Yeah, send, send out a message <laughs> that, uh, you know, encourages the cops to join with the terrorists. Mm-hmm. Because this is the only time in the recorded history of the city of Detroit that apparently... Because Jill Hennessy does this, the 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 public at large can realize that Omnicorp's not so good, that they're liars and they're mm. selling you, you know, uh, a garbage idea. Right. And and Rip Torn is apparent apparently to blame. Who's to blame? Rip Torn is apparently to blame. Yes, right, right. And not Mako, who's in charge of Rip Torn. This doesn't really make sense. This anyway, is the part that I don't understand. Like, why is it that it's it's Mako I mean, he's that's, the full guy? Yeah, it's Mako that sends his evil robot to go kill RoboCop. Yes, I know, I know. I and that yet too. when RoboCop bests him and all of his duplicate buddies while getting <laughs> while getting rid of John Castle while simultaneously saving the little girl and Jill Hennessy who found their way up to the 30th floor for some reason mm. on on the magical wings of, <laughs> of his goddamn jetpack <laughs> that afterwards he and RoboCop Mako and RoboCop kind of share a sorry <laughs> like we're good now yeah which is sort of like yeah, and I mean, there's a lot to say about that bow. Right. The yes, first of being is like you they're clearly trying to say something positive about Japanese culture, but they can't do it without stereotyping it horribly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Then, but there is a line earlier in the film which I think they think takes care of all this. Okay. <laughs> but absolutely doesn't. Where John Castle as um. Uh, British Nazi says uh, to Mako via the speak and spell translation bot. Yeah. That doesn't matter because he speaks perfect English. Um, right. It says to him, that was the deal. You That robot stays out of my way. <laughs> which is uh, also <laughs> made me switch, which was what, ma- what uh, initially uh, created my suspicions that he was a reshoot character. Because right. it's like, don't you make that storyline come anywhere don't near me. Him, don't you make that part of your movie any part of my movie. 
So I think they think uh, uh, Otomo is. Is Otomo the thing that blows up? What blows up? Completely autonomous. Okay. To whatever else is going on. Again, I think they think that takes care of the problems you've cited, but it, it really doesn't. Because we don't understand what Otomo is or what his plan is either. What is it that's exploding at the end? <laughs> is there a bomb? What is the bomb? Which bomb are you talking about? When they have the explosion in the building where he flies the the child and Jill Hennessy out of the building. Oh! is What is it that's is blowing that the, up? Is that the rehab unit? Blowing up? No. No, it's way No, because it's that. inside Omni... It's, uh... It's like corporate headquarters. Isn't it some sort of leftover bomb from earlier? Yes. Well, all I remember is this is very awkward moment. Like this movie is so poorly done that there's yeah. this awkward moment where I think John Castle does he get his legs burned from the jetpack? Don't remember that at all. But yeah, no, that's actually, maybe that's true. So he falls to the ground and he's crawling towards the countdown clock Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of whatever it is that's about to explode is going to explode. And so what I love, I love that there's this moment where he's very close to it and you see the reach out, (laughs) you know, and his hand comes out like I'm going to, I'm going to try to get it. And when they go back to the clock, it says like, five seconds Mm -hmm. and then we cut to an explosion yeah so the movie's so clunky and awkward that all i could keep thinking is he had five seconds left he was right there he absolutely (laughs) could have stopped that bomb from bombing right right anyway it's like no one no one thought to film that insert of one second yes exactly again They forgot to bring the chess set, so they yep. had to do a dominoes analogy. They had to do the they dominoes. to film the one second, so the five seconds going to have to do. <laughs> we settled for less. And then I wrote down more flying for the save. So he gets the, you know, because he gets the girl and Jill Hennessy. And yeah. But that CGI flying, that's just some of the worst right. effects I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, and it's... And I mean, before that, before we even get inside the building, when the cops are fighting with the the Nazis on the streets and RoboCop comes in with like the sort of soaring music, the soaring music doesn't go well with the really, really, really bad effects. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's I think we've seen this in the early 90s. You're in this transitional period where you don't know whether your go to is practical or digital. And this film shows evidence of that as well, like yeah. not quite knowing where, where is the what is the best. I mean, you've got Phil Tippett there, so that would suggest to V do everything stop motion. But yeah, what do right. I know? Um, but I think you know the 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 shadow of Terminator, Terminator Two is like two, yeah. let's get some computer generated stuff in there. Um, let's see if we can. No matter what the cost. Well, that's the way. That's what it seems like. Um, oh, why? why? So, we haven't talked much about Rip Torn because he has no bearing on this film. Right. But um, he gets fired. 
And it seems to be he gets fired for suggesting that they gentrify the area, which, one, Not I thought idea. was what they were doing all along. Yeah. And two, <laughs> is exactly, there's like, it's what I would do in that situation. <laughs> like, and that's what, did, you know, what City subsequently did, right? They just right. gentrified the area, and then all the poor people had to move out because they couldn't afford to live there. Yeah. So, not only is... It, you didn't have to murder to get, the people first. Right, he, he gets fired for pr- proposing something which becomes basic economic policy for all major right. businesses <laughs> yes. from this point onwards. And major cities. Yeah, but I understand him getting fired for the debacle, but that's the movie makes out that it's this suggestion that let's gentrify things. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's the only intelligent thing he said <laughs> this, this whole time, because that's what's... Anyway. But he keeps it's, saying it like, Artie, yeah. what we gotta do is... <laughs> half man, half cop. Um, uh, yeah, so... He uh, Mako bows to Robocop for reasons and, I can't figure out, but go on. And then we get yet another, another reinversion of the original ending, which was already inverted in the last film. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same ending. It kind of completes the circuit of the trilogy, right? Because it splits the difference between. The two. <laughs> I was just gonna say. <laughs> he says. He says. Instead of saying, so he says his name is Murphy. Right. My then friends he's... call me Murphy. You can call me Robocop, which is and also it's like in the second film, it's a joke. Right? Yeah, it's, it's a fucking joke. Um, but he ends up identifying as Robocop rather than Murphy. Right, that's which the is thing. where the last film landed. So we're no none the wiser about no what this guy th- what this guy thinks he is. For again, for the sake of a joke, we're as clueless as the character is. Yeah. Also, we can have a last line that they think is cool, mm-hmm. but it's just like a, it's like a rejected Don Rickles joke. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking saying that. I'm not saying that bullshit. I can't say that to Ronald Reagan. What's the matter with you, Mister Potato Head? Would never say that. Although saying that, I do recall. Our good friend William Shatner mm-hmm. using that line at the um, AFI tribute to George Lucas. Mm. And if you haven't seen the clip of uh, <laughs> he, he is he's the first speaker at the AFI tribute to George Lucas. And clearly no one had been informed of this in the audience because <laughs> he walks out and, and then it's reaction shots of everyone, including Mark Hamill, going, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, <laughs> And he starts it as if he, as if he, th- you know, the bit is he thinks it's a Star Trek convention, right? Of course. So the first thing he says is Star Trek changed everything, in front of George Lucas and everyone involved in Star Wars. But he uses that line. I think he says, um, "Can I call you George?" And George Lucas nods and he says, "You may call me Mr. Shatner." <laughs> so it can be done well. It's just not right. done well here. No, just not here. Well, that's the end of the movie for me. Yeah, me too. Do you have anything else to say? Uh, But a credit check. Oh, yeah. Uh, Here's (laughs) something I did enjoy seeing. Uh, It's the the thick lettering of the... Yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) Of of the early 90s credits and titles. 
Um, I, I, I really enjoy that. <laughs> big fat titles. Everything in this movie is, is big and fat. Big fat. Um, now, so Frank Miller is credited with story. So... But he, wasn't he also involved in RoboCop 2 at some stage? Yeah. So what I remember the stuff from RoboCop 2 in which he wrote a whole screenplay and then they kept some stuff but like changed yeah. most of it. But left... I always assumed he wrote the skeleton shooting himself in the head, but maybe that, that's right. just wishful exactly. thinking. Uh, but I, I, I don't remember reading anything about no, his, his involvement here. So I don't know. You think what the if deal there was is. a film, a Robocop film, he wanted to take his name off, it would have been. It would have been three. Yeah. Um. Which is interesting because most of the cre- <laughs> most of the credits are people involved with other Robocop movies. <laughs> it just tells you <laughs> who invented Robocop, who developed it. Yeah. Not anyone involved in this movie. So clearly, a lot of people wanted their name. Wanted to Alan Smithy their way out of the movies. Like, let's just fill it with people <laughs> who aren't involved with this movie. We'll talk about the people oh, who I, built I'm, the toys. I'll go back and research this. I will follow up on this. But is it possible that Frank Miller's idea for RoboCop 2 was what eventually became this, and that's why he's credited Ooh. for story? I'll, I'll do some digging. Yeah, you'll have to I'll research. Yeah. Because I won't. Um... And I won't remember until it's too late. Um, Phil Tippett returns. I don't know what he really does. It's hard to say. (laughs) Everything's sort of the the stop motion is a footnote to the computer generated imagery. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can think of is, again, like the Robocop security guard. Um, Which is clearly stop motion. Yeah. Um, we have, we already talked about Donut Jerk. Um, <laughs> another interesting character name is Informative Yuppie, <laughs> which is sort of like they didn't, who is the guy, the yuppie who's, uh, the sexist guy talking to Lewis. Yeah, right. Earlier in the film. Um, which is interesting. They didn't even bother to come up with a character name beyond their function in the story. Right. <laughs> the thing, and also, but I want to, I want to say, I get the yuppie part. I don't get the, I don't. Well, how was he informative? <laughs> like Donut Jerk, I don't think that captures the character. If you'd have put sexist piece of shit in car, I would understand um, it. Yeah. Maybe they uh, let so maybe they let other children name characters. But I don't remember him being an exposition dump. Really. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> they clearly think he is right, and, uh, and that's why they put him in the film. Uh, so who do you did you know who is behind the Johnny Rehab cartoon? Oh no. Uh, well, it was made by Rough Draft. It was animated by Rough Draft mm-hmm. and directed by David Silverman. Silverman. Oh, and both. So that's the company that animates The Simpsons and David Silverman is one of the directors of wow, The Simpsons. Wow, yeah, okay. So they've basically, they've drafted in, pun intended, 
<laughs> the people behind The Simpsons to do TV par to do like parodies of PSAs. Interesting. Which is, I mean, The Simpsons has already been on the air a few years at this point, but sure. It's right in the same wheelhouse, isn't it? Of like what The Simpsons does. Yeah. I mean, aside from all the Poochie stuff, which is not an intentional. <laughs> Everybody should be saying, where's Poochie? Where's Hoochie? Where did Poochie go? <laughs> Someone really gave that note at some point on the set of this film. I <sighs> So, you know, what's funny to me is like, I think, did a writer from The Simpsons watch this movie and then yeah. take that idea to write the Poochie episode? I mean, that, it's, it's, it's a satire of a certain tendency, right? But yeah. with that tendency comes like a whole culture of bad screenwriting that you can, <laughs> that you can lampoon. And I think that's what, what it's doing there. I'm sure it's not the only example of of trying to, you know, like hyping characters before they come on screen. Right. But it's so egregious in this. <laughs> and also as if as if you have to hype RoboCop in a film called RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> Any other notes for you? No, that's the last of my credit checks, yeah. All right. Well, I don't know what to say other than we did it. Yeah, we did it. It was fun. It was a lot of it fun. It was. Yeah. It was more fun talking about it. It was fun to talk it was more yeah, it was it was fun to talk about, less fun to watch. Yeah. So, we need to know what you think, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, please let us know if this is your favorite in the series. Oh. Now, that I'd would love crack to hear me from up. You. I want to hear from I those mean, people for sure. It's happened before. It's happened with Rocky 5, you know. Yeah. Gone to town on it, and someone going to act tell that they prefer it to other Rocky sequels. I'll listen to how wrong you are. <laughs> Let's hear from the six percent happily. Yeah, right. Let's hear from the six percent. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us that email. Send it to everything sequel at gmail.com. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. When you hear us next, we're going to be pitching sequels to this nonsense. So right. strap in. Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. All right. If you got a RoboCup, you got an alien cup, huh? You got a ghost cup? <laughs> That's good. Even the characters in this film can't take RoboCup seriously. Nope. So why should we? We'll see if we can take it seriously in our pitches. Stay tuned, everybody. Also, also, why why is Reed surrounded by this cavalcade of comic characters? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember this happening in like... The, the other thing I always think about is like Reed and everybody else that has to work at that poor front desk in all of these movies. <laughs> that Whatever cop's working at the front desk, just fucked. I, I really think they, they missed a huge opportunity by not making this about the original Robocop being busted down to security. It's <laughs> like right. a sad, a sad Robocop, like getting wah, coffee wah. from the machine. <laughs> sticking that, uh, sticking that 
that spike of his into coffee yeah. machines and shit, you exactly. know, for candy yeah. bars. <laughs> you done fucked up, RoboCup 3. You buried the lead. Now take the gun out of your leg and put it on my desk. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening. Pitches coming next.